Welcome to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also join us every Sunday morning at 10.30am at Mosley Pavilion. Now for the message. It was interesting to me, we had a small group last week obviously, and uh, it seems that hopefully you're finding benefit already in this message series. Um, It's an interesting topic, Uh, I think leadership is something that largely at times is misunderstood. And also today we're looking at what it means to be a follower. And I haven't heard messages about that. Maybe you have, and if you have, fantastic. I hope that this layers up your knowledge about it. But it should give us opportunity to dig in and to understand. And even if you're deciding as to whether you want to follow someone or something or uh, follow us as leaders, then you can make a decision from a place of understanding and also from a place of wholeness. So in this message series, we want to more fully discover what a leader is and what a follower is. We'll discover what helps and what hinders the process and learn some of God's ways for his people. And I communicated last week, and I want to say it again, I have a very high value on being submitted to leadership. And following is a choice which you get to make. You're always a follower before you're a leader, and you're always a follower when you are a leader. So it's not that when you arrive at a place of leading something that somehow at that point you're not a follower anymore. There are positional leaders. They're the ones that have authority because they've been given position. They've the head of the people. Did you wrestle with that this week a little in small group? Did you get opportunity to put your hands on that? So there's people that we yield ourselves to and we just do it because we're told to. But then there's permissive leaders and permissive leaders have authority because they, those they lead have given their permission to the leader. It's spoken or it's unspoken and it's a love thing and they have the head and the heart of the people. So John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So also you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And this is a principle in leadership that you've got to yield to leadership before you can wield leadership. You have to to understand leadership, you've got to stand under it. And last week used the example of the umbrella. An effective leadership will model what it's calling you to do and become. It's not control. It's invitational influence. So you're being invited into something that you can absolutely say no to. And leading is a love thing, and that's where it starts. It's assigned. God gives it and assigns it to people, and people are the process. We cannot do life with Jesus without being a part of the church and without being submitted to leadership. It does not work, and it cannot happen. In submitting to leadership, you're submitting to him. And as I submit myself to you in loving and serving you, then I submit myself to him in you as well. And a leader should live as if the vision is a reality because it lives in them so that others can see it and have access to it and so that then others can see it as well. So it's this ongoing process. The leader has the vision, then you can see it and touch it and taste it and say, well, I want to be a part of that. Then you have the vision within you, even though what the vision is might not actually be present. And then somebody else, so you can see as the process just goes on and on and on and on. And here we are at message two. What is a follower? Do you know what a follower is? Do you have a fair handle on it? Are you fairly settled about it, yeah? Or do you think that there's more? 
And that's not necessarily a loaded question. I may be communicating to you what you already know, but hopefully there's some gold in this that'll make you go, right, okay. There's things maybe that you've been following that you don't want to be following because you didn't know you were following. And maybe there's other things that you didn't realize you weren't following and you'd like now to follow. So if this throws some light onto that for you, that'll be great. So I want to say again, you're always a follower before you're a leader. And you're always a follower while you're a leader. So I started in Titanic Belfast, March 2017. And we're driving, we're doing the recce run. I'm not great with directions. Claire loves to play the game of let's see if Colin can find the car. I actually videoed me when we came back from France as I ran around trying to find it. And they're all going, where's the car? Do you know where it is? Because the picture that I took, I know I was a professional photographer, but it was an awful picture that didn't include the letter or the possession of the car, epic fail on my part. So we're going to Titanic, I'm not too sure how to get there, and I'm driving along the M2, and I know that Titanic's over to my left, so I stay in the left-hand lane, Claire's going, do you think it maybe might be the right-hand lane? I'm like, no, 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 definitely this way, and Claire comes off good in this story. And we're going along, and we turn to the left, and I realise that's not actually the way to get to Titanic. To go to Titanic on the M2, you have to go into the right two-hand lanes, and then you go up over the M3, then cross over on the left, and down you go. So I had to repent at the docks, which means turn the car around and go back to where I'd started. Meanwhile, Claire's going, so maybe it's up on the right? Yes. Maybe it is, as the kids are in the car and we're smiling sweetly. I should have looked for the signs, should have listened to my wife, and I would have gotten to the destination. But the thing that got me about it was to actually get to the destination, I had to go away from the destination. Because inside my head, I thought, uh, right, so Titanic's over to the left, and it would make logical sense that you bear left. But instead, actually, you have to follow the directions, bear right, go up the ways, go left again, and then go down and go left again, and you get there. Anybody else find that that's a bit frustrating? No? Should be as the crow flies? No? All the logical people are like, well, it's just the way it is. Colin, suck it up. You need to get over that one. So I have to go away from the destination to get to the destination. Pruning in the garden. Anybody pruned any fruit or plants or shrubs or trees in the garden? Done any of that? Yeah. I find it one of the most awful experiences. I used to have raspberry canes. Do you know about raspberry canes? So raspberry canes, the growth from last year always has to be cut. When it's fruited, it has to be cut right down to the ground, which means I have to have faith that that plant is going, going to do as well as it did this year because I'm going to totally get rid of what was bearing fruit in the last year. No, it's a leap of faith every time. I don't think I've ever really pruned my cherry tree. Love a cherry tree. And the idea of hacking it back really takes a measure of faith for me. So it doesn't seem natural, does it? So we, we, I want to go to Titanic and it's to the left, but I have to go right. And not only right, I have to go up. And then I have to go over to the left and go down and then go to the, get to my destination. To have fruit in my garden, I have to do the thing that I don't want to do, which is hack the plant down to nearly nothing because that's actually the way that that plant can bear fruit. If I don't do that, it'll start to fire energy up to the old part of the plant and it won't bear fruit. Can I give you a prescription of verses? This is a real cocktail. 
This will help you kill, if you apply it, the soul's understanding. Because often what we do is we take the soul's understanding as to what the spirit wants to do and goes, but Titanic's over to the left. And the spirit's going, go to the right. But Titanic is over to the left. I have to do this, God. You've called me to do this, and it's over to the left. And God goes, take the right-hand lane. Right? You ready? You're all staring at me. Hopefully that's because you're going, wow. Never thought of it that way. Acts 20.35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Matthew 16.25, whoever loses their life for me will find it. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message about Christ's death on the cross is nonsense to those who are being lost. But for us who are being saved, it's God's power. Can I have an amen to that? That was pathetic. Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but Titanic's to the left. Go to the right. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. The signs are telling me the Titanic is to the right. I know physically the Titanic's to the left. So I have a choice to make. To be free, you've got to hold your thoughts captive. Jesus Christ says, hey, you want some freedom? Absolutely do. Here's a prison that looks like a prison. You need to step into this. What? I'm going to have to lay hold of this and lock up part of myself to a degree. I'm not talking about denial. I'm talking about getting something captive that has had free reign in your life. To find healing, you must first realize that you're in pain. You've got to embrace that it's your pain and you've got to have courage to experience it, which is where he is right in the middle of it. God, where are you? I can't find you because I'm not where you're looking. Does anybody enjoy experiencing the pain? Is it a pleasant experience? Is it a good experience at the end of it though? When you're doing it with Jesus Christ it is. When you're not, it's just painful. Jesus died on the cross and in the experience of that excruciating pain was our liberty. It is exactly the same for us. He went into pain so he could release us from it. So we've got to do that all the time holding the hand of Jesus Christ. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Isaiah 55.3. And this morning as I was getting ready, it was um, a little bit before seven and Isaac's randomly building his Lego with his Rudolph antlers on in front of the tree with his wee Santa beside him. And he said, <laughs> I don't know where, he, like, he said to me, you know, Dad, sometimes you have to break things to make them work. And I was like, that's too good. I thought that was good. So to follow Jesus, we must realize that he's not going to do things the way we think that they should be done. It's a topsy-turvy kingdom. Matthew twenty sixteen: the first is last and the last is first. So if we want to follow Jesus Christ, we may... Actually, it might be slow, but normally it's pretty quick. We're going to find that he's going to ask us to do something that does not make logical sense to our soul. I don't want to be sore, run into the pain, son. I want to get there, go away from it. I want to go down there, go up. I really want to be first, be last. I want to be a leader, serve. Serve. 
So the word akolutheo in the Greek uh, means to follow. It comes from alpha and it comes from keluthos. Alpha means obviously first, alpha and omega beginning in the end. And keluthos is the road of the way. So my definition of the word follower, when you take it back from the Greek, is to follow one who's first on the road. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus knows the road to the destination because he is the road and he's the destination. Someone was once asking, how does the whole God and time thing work, right? And this guy said, take a paper, take a piece of paper and draw a timeline on it. And the timeline is the beginning and the end of it is obviously the end. And then somebody said, and God's the paper. So Jesus Christ knows the way, He's also the destination and he is the way. Now, I was going to say, if I had someone like that, (laughs) listen to this, if I had someone like that in my life, I would listen to them. Does that convict anybody else? He knows how to get there. He knows what the destination is and he actually is the road that we travel on. And we're so often saying to him, is it this way or that way? And he's going, stick close to me. We're going, no, I want you to answer my question. He is saying, I am answering your question. We want to know how to get there and he says, stay close. No, I didn't ask you that. Yes, you did. He tends to answer us in ways that we don't understand yet. Because his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. They're higher and they get the job done. He knows the road to the destination because he is the road and he is the destination. So the whole following thing I think has been a little bit diluted. Uh, My uh, guilty pleasure, uh, social media of choice would be Instagram. Love it. It's photographs. It's normally not ranting and raving. It's just a photograph. And on Instagram, if you don't know, you have followers. And you can follow people and you can unfollow people if you don't like them. And then you can also put a wee like on. And sometimes I wonder if we think following Jesus is simply about liking the lamb but rejecting the lion. So if Jesus had an Instagram account and he said, uh, you look inappropriately at a woman, you'd be better to gouge your eye out than to carry on and do what you're doing. Ooh, I might unfollow that one. But whenever it's gentle, Jesus, meek and mild. Ooh, love everybody. Ooh. We're okay with the lamb. But when the lion shows up, we don't quite like the lion because the lion's a wee bit scary. But the lion is the lamb and the lamb is the lion. Following Christ will cost you absolutely everything. Have you squared up to that one? It's what he said. Like it's nothing new. But I, you know, most of the time we look at it and go, maybe it'll just cost me 60%. Everything. Everything, absolutely everything. But you will get what you pay for. Don't let following be diluted. Concentrate. Concentrate. Focus. What's he doing? Where is he? If he says stay close, stick close. Don't let it be diluted. Concentrate. First Corinthians nine twenty four twenty five. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to take and win the prize. Everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline. They do it for a crown that is perishable. We do it for a crown that lasts forever. I was going to say imperishable, but I think lasts forever. Maybe works a bit better. So we need to know 
We need to know all these things, but we need to know who we're following. We all follow something or someone, and the way the world gets you to follow gets you to follow them is bombarding you slowly but frequently and very subtly and as quietly as possible. And there's hidden costs and there's obvious rewards. The way that Jesus does it is, he says, do you want to come and follow me? It's going to cost you everything. And when we get to know him, we go, who else would I go to? But initially, it looks like the costs are incredibly high, but actually we get everything and then some. Whereas the world goes, your life's going to be amazing. Right now, buy now, pay later. It's all going to be fantastic. And then we're left with absolutely nothing, including the things we lost ourselves in the process. The world erodes you like a stone in the ocean. And only a person with the presence of Jesus Christ can be in the world and not of it. If the church is a fire, we live in the Arctic. Isn't that right? The whole Sunday dynamic, I'm doing great with God on a Sunday, but you take me out of that a couple of days at work. I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. Oh, it's awful. Come back to church on a Sunday. I'm a saint. Jesus Christ died for me. I can do this. I can hold all my thoughts captive. Then by the Tuesday. (laughs) And do you notice that as you go up and down that roller coaster, the highs get higher and the lows get lower? It's not that somehow that it, it sort of just stays at a plateau. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Jesus Christ invites you on a journey that will kill you and will bring you to life. Paul Cain said he's dead now, but he had quite a significant prophetic ministry and sadly fell before his death. Didn't all end too well. But he did say this, and we'll take what light he had. He said, the enemy's out to kill me and so is God. It's a rock and a hard place, folks. This Mark's looking at me like, <laughs> why did you have to say that? The enemy's out to destroy us. God's out to give us life. But the way to do both those things is to kill us. And, you know, really, it's easier just to die. Oh, it really is. There's always the benefit on the other side. There's a message series can come out of my deaths. but they're both out to kill us. He invites us to count the cost. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you've enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. I always thought that that meant that we were most to stare at it and go, I don't know whether I have what it takes. You have what it takes. The issue about paying the price is that you're not willing to die. Does that let you get a handle on that a little bit more? The cost is everything. It's going to always cost you everything. How you won't pay the cost is if you're not willing to die. To not pay the price that's necessary. Dying to ourselves is the price of the project that Jesus Christ wants to do. And following is a choice. It should be a personal decision made by an individual who is free to decline the invitation. I really have found a seam of gold with this. If I'm inviting you to something, I want you to know that you are free to say no. Do you know that? Have you ever felt that you've been asked to do something and you're not free? And if that's been the case, I'm sorry. You're always free to say no. So can you see the leader? To choose to be a follower, we need to see the leader and hear the leader. 
and followers have to have some measure of interaction with the leader. So Mark 1, 16 to 20, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them when they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men and followed them. So why did they follow Jesus so quickly? Well, let me read this. The apostles dropped what they were doing and followed Christ at the words, follow me, because Jesus surprised them with an opportunity of a lifetime. Jesus was in a position where the situation should have been reversed. His disciples should have been the ones to approach him and say, let me follow you, which happened on occasion, which you can see in Mark 5.19 and Luke 9.57. But only promising Talmudin were typically chosen by a rabbi. Talmudin were basically students and apprentices. The law was taught orally in those days and a Talmud would seek out a teacher, a rabbi he could listen to and learn the scriptures from and the law from and learn how to put them into practice. When a Talmud found a teacher he desired to learn from, he would ask if he could follow him. Jesus was a very prominent figure in Galilee and extremely well educated and we know this by the fact he was called rabbi by his disciples. If a rabbi approached the Talmud and said to him, follow me, it was a massive deal because it meant that the rabbi believed the potential Talmud had the ability and commitment to become like him. Can you hear what Jesus Christ is saying to you when he says, come and follow me? He is saying, you've got what it takes. You can do this. The price that you think you can't pay, you can absolutely pay. So he sees potential in you. He's not calling you because it might work and it might not work. He knows that you can do this. It's like the CEO of a major company approaching the cleaner and saying, you've got what it takes to do my job. Come on and follow me. And I think that that happened with uh, Virgin South Africa. One of the cleaners actually ended up being the CEO of the company. Would you like to be the leader that had the eye for that uh, promise and to be able to discern the potential that was present there? So when Jesus Christ calls you, he calls you because you can do it. They had to leave their nets. They had to leave their old lives behind and go and follow Jesus. And we have to let go of something to lay hold of something. And following involves submission to leadership and it also involves sacrifice. It's a love thing, a love thing even. The father sent the son. The son yielded to the father so that we could all be free. And Jesus yielded and we're invited to do exactly the same. So as a follower, we see that the leader sees something or has something that we do not and they know the way to the destination. Could I get you guys to come up? So the more intimately you get to know the leader and understand what motivates them, you will either unfollow them or you'll discover they really love you and you'll give them more of your heart and follow them with greater intention and with greater sacrifice. And you cannot be a follower unless you have a leader. And you cannot be a leader unless there are people behind you following you. So you can say, I'm a leader, and we should go, where are they? If you can see them, they're leading something. If there's no one behind them, they're not a leader. And the more of a leader's life a follower can see, the more you'll be influenced by the values, practices, and priorities that they demonstrate. So to give you one of ours, we have a value for the presence of God. The practice is that we do everything we can to prioritize him in worship. 
and priorities. When you come in, worship starts and we're off because he's first. He should be first. All of our practices are that he's first. We prioritize him and we have value for him. So we've been invited to participate in a restoration project, project, not realizing that what's being restored is us. Would you stand with me? So this whole journey, whether it is that you're here because uh, you're attracted to the presence of God here, whether it's the leadership, whether it's, uh, I don't know, it's uh, teaching or um, it's the things that we do, whatever it is that draws you here, what you need to know is that the project that you've been called to is a restoration project. And the restoration project is you. He's after you. He wants you to be free. You'll find that before he asks you to do something, he wants to get you to a place of wholeness that you can actually say no. And we, if we're effective as leaders, should be doing exactly the same things. So as always, we've got some questions to help you to respond. So do you know that you need to let go of your own understanding? Are there things that you're figuring right? If I'm going to do this, I need to go left and God's actually calling you to go right. So do you need to let go of your own understanding? Or have you diluted what it means to be a follower and now you want to concentrate? Or lastly, do you need to let go of something to follow God where he's leading you? If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you just want ministry, please come and join me now in the front. God we ask you even though it's quiet and still this morning that you would have your way on us that it may be quiet and it may be still but you're still the lion and you're still the lamb so will you help us to respond even though at times we don't know how to come Holy Spirit you've been listening to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast For more information on our church, you can find us on the web on www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. Thank you for listening.